Welcome back to Money Minutes for Doctors. Once again, I am your host, Christina McAteer, and on behalf of the Brown Emergency Medicine blog and the Brown Emergency Medicine Residency, we welcome you to Money Minutes for Doctors, a podcast focused on financial freedom for physicians. We welcome our featured guest, Ms. Catherine Bestness. Thank you, Catherine, for joining us once again. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Christy. As you know, Catherine is the executive officer of MD Financial, a financial institution focusing on physicians and their financial wealth and happiness, and comes to us with many, many decades of expertise specifically on physicians and how our income trajectory and retirement is different. Today, our goal is to look at doctors and burnout. What we're seeing in the practice of medicine in 2023 is that burnout is at an all-time high, probably for many, many reasons, but this means that physicians may not be practicing as long as they once were, and therefore that necessitates different financial decisions. So Catherine's here to help us understand this problem and open our eyes as to how to plan and prepare for such. Really, really good point. I think... A lot of our doctors need to be thinking that they may have to work past 65. Part of it is that they're living longer, and that doesn't help when they're already burnt out. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about margin and how do we create what I call a life of abundance. Excellent. Because I'll be honest with you, Ms. Catherine, um, you know, if, as I've heard you say before, physicians often have to put themselves through school. So most students graduate with some degree of debt. And then you spend a fair amount of time training, thereby missing the opportunity to make money and save early on in life. And now you graduate and you have to afford a family and afford a home and pay off your student loan debts. And oh, by the way, save for retirement, which now may be lasting many, many decades it seems to be a fairly big ask of a finite work span. What are your thoughts on that? It's a horrific ask. And on top of this, I read recently that the average doctor works 51 hours a week. Uh, and of course, that means 50% of our clients are working more than 51 hours per week. So it's a lot of pressure, a lot of burnout. And I do see... Uh, fewer and fewer doctors going, I love what I do. You know, this is so much fun. The most of them are getting pretty close to burnout. And on top of all the things that you mentioned, a lot of times they just don't like the way they have to practice medicine. Now they don't like using Epic software and having to take notes when they're with a client instead of being able to, uh, that patient. I mean, instead of looking that patient in the eye, their, their eyes are on the computer. And there's a lot of other things in the workplace that are making it a stressful situation leading to burnout. Well, one of the things that I've observed, and perhaps it's COVID, <laughs> COVID pandemic seems to be a likely excuse or, or blame for so many of the things that we're experiencing. But, you know, full disclosure, I'm almost 20 years in and still working full time and largely do not feel particularly burnt out, which I'm very thankful for. But I see more recent graduates who maybe have three or four years of being a full attending and they're already looking to cut down. They're looking for ways out. And I think that's dangerous for the house of medicine. It's dangerous for how we're going to care for our population 
going forward. Um, but to that point, it seems that a lot of the joy in the practice of medicine is gone. So true. And I noticed this the very first year we limited our practice to just physicians. And one of the questions we'd ask is, well, when would you like to be financially independent? So work is optional. And way over 50% either said last week or now. I was going to say yesterday. (laughs) Yesterday is definitely the right answer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you're in your early thirties maybe, and you're already so burnt out that you can't see about going forward. So it was actually a very sad revelation for me to see how stressed they were. So talk to me about what you're hearing from your physicians. Are there specific themes that you hear contributing to burnout or, or what are you noticing your, your physicians tell you? That's such a great question. So some of it's the hours. COVID with a lot of them, particularly in emergency med, they maybe didn't have enough nurses. They were having to turn out the rooms and clean up the rooms themselves. Um, a lot of them don't like, um, I mentioned before, I just used Epic as an example. It's not that there's anything particularly wrong with them, but this uh, the whole move to taking their own notes and not having somebody uh, do notes for them. Also, I hear some of our doctors just don't like the quality of the patient, if I can say this. You mentioned in a, a previous uh, podcast that we did, you called them like a frequent returner or a frequent flyer. And some of our clients don't like the fact that the patients are taking advantage of the system and getting kind of freebies in the system that other people are having to pay for. So it's kind of a myriad of factors. And uh, this group graduated with more student debt at higher interest rates than any other doctors I can remember throughout history. We still have some doctors in their maybe 50s, uh, late 50s, that got their student debts at like 1.9% loans, maybe 2%. The interest rate was so low that you could carry it throughout your entire career. Well, you know, those days are gone. What are the average interest rates that you're seeing now? Because I'm hearing more like 6 and 7%. Oh, yeah, 6.8, which is such a high, high number, particularly a couple of years ago when you could get mortgage on your house for 23 6.8 student loan to me was just criminal. But, you know, we don't set those rates. It's set by the government and, and their programs. I feel like it's also interesting that I can recall some of what I would term my senior faculty, those that have been at this, you know, 10 years longer than I have. And they talk about, you know, when they went through that their whole year of med school might cost them 5000 or 8000 you know, compare and contrast that with probably about 100000 that it's costing in today's dollars. Right. So to, all that adds up to, you know, much more stressful circumstance. But I really didn't want to focus so much on the bad part of burnout, because if you're burnt out, you know you're burnt out. What I want to talk about today is a plan to get out of feeling burnt out and how to do that. Perfect. So we've acknowledged that there's a problem, and now Catherine's going to give us the solution. <laughs> Go ahead, gather, lay it out. I would say in one word, I would call the solution is margin. So if you think about in a perfect life or what our doctors would really like, they wouldn't they like an abundance of time, an abundance of energy, sleep, spiritual reserves, emotional reserves, fun, friendships, finances, right? good food, wouldn't you, isn't that really what they would really like, an abundance of all of those things? 
That sounds lovely. Yes, I'll take many of those features in every part of my day. Exactly. And you think about it, those things are the exact opposite of burnout, really. It's kind of a lack of all of those things that causes burnout. And as I was thinking about this, to me, the place where this starts is margin in all of these areas. You have extra or abundance of time, energy, sleep, finances, fun, whatever the, whatever those issues are. And it occurred to me that the most important place to start with getting margins is your finances, because that's going to impact all the other areas. And we get margins by making more, which means less time and less freedom, or by spending less, which means less fun and uh, and left maybe, uh, you know, going out to dinner and vacations and all of those restorative things. So how do we get margins, Catherine? <laughs> oh, my gosh, you're making it a hard act to follow here. <laughs> well, what I want to do is <clears throat> how do we create margins or reserves without getting so stressful? So to your point, one of the things is just to make an internal commitment to yourself, to your family, to your loved ones, that you're going to increase your long-term savings. I think of this as money for financial independence and maybe your short-term savings. This might be an emergency fund or buying a new car and that you are going to do that every month, no matter what. Excellent. It seems like a good habit to follow. Exactly. Because let's talk about some practical things. Maybe you're taking a big trip to, to France. I've been telling a lot of doctors like, oh, we want to take our kids to Europe this summer. That sounds lovely. But, you know, those trips might be $10,000, $20,000. That's great. I'm not saying don't do that because I've, I've done it with my kids. I loved every minute of it. What I am saying, though, is pay for the trip in advance. Make sure that you've got the savings for it. Don't put it on a credit card and pay it off over the next couple of years. Uh, likewise, if you've got a new house and you want some new furniture, terrific. Pay, I'm putting this in quotes, air quotes, pay cash. I'm not saying don't put it on your credit card. Every time I buy furniture, I put it on the credit card. But I typically go home and immediately transfer money from my banking account to pay off the credit card. That, in my mind, is the equivalent of paying. Mm. And I and I comment there because I have many friends who are very savvy as to choosing a credit card that gives them benefits and bonuses that work to help them in their life, i.e. they have a child who's in school across the country. And so they'll choose a credit card with travel rewards so that they can then earn points toward making those trips more accessible. So you're saying it's okay to use credit cards in that way, but just make sure that you have the money in your account to immediately replace it and you're not accumulating credit card debt. Right. In other words, you're paying it off every single month. So I don't mean literally handing cash over to buy the furniture, right? They, a lot of furniture stores now probably wouldn't take it. They'd be worried it was counterfeit or something. But I'm just making sure that we don't carry a balance on our credit cards. I did have one doctor who was in Mayo 20 years ago, and there were still um, credit card charges from his time at Mayo 20 years ago that he hadn't completely paid off. So that's the most extreme case I've ever seen. Um, no, no, no. You don't want to do that. I, I don't think he had connected the dots because the interest rate on those credit cards is horrible. It can be 18, 20% more per month. It's crazy. So you really want to get those paid off every single month. Excellent. And I suppose uh, we've mentioned this on a prior podcast that that's something that you're really struggling with. Your team can help folks build a budget so that they can meet that goal. Is that correct? 
Oh, absolutely. And let's, we'll get to this in just a minute. It can mean making hard choices because I'm sorry, if you're a primary care doc, you probably are not making enough to pay for your student debts, to take the kids on a vacation to Greece every summer, to put kids in private colleges, uh, pay off your student debt and, and still have money for retirement. There's just not enough money to do that. And some of it is coming to the reality. It's kind of like me. My doctor asked me one day, because it's, it's no surprise to all my clients that I've been struggling, trying to lose weight for who knows how long. My doctor said to me one day, what would you like to eat if you could? I go, easy. It would be brownies and peanut butter and apples, right? <laughs> so I can't eat brownies and peanut butter and apples any more than I can't buy everything I'd like to buy all the time. And we, there are limits and it's really helpful if you can come to that conclusion early on. Yes. I wish it weren't so, but uh, unfortunately <laughs> that's not the way life goes, is it? Exactly. That brownie diet sounds really good to me right now. So that's number one is just make a commitment. This is easier when you're starting out before you bought the big house and you got your kids in the private schools. Um, but at any point in your life, you can start making this kind of commitment. I'm going to put my savings, whether it's long-term for financial independence or shorter term, I'm going to make that first. I write that check out of my account every month, first thing, and then I spend the less, the rest. And when you talk about spending less, what are some kind of easy ways to taper down on the spending that don't seem to cause too, too much pain? Can you give us some tips there about successful strategies to rein in your spending a bit? Um, yes. So a big place I see clients overspending is eating out. Hmm. That's the one that I was thinking of as well. So if we give some examples there, I learned long ago. So when we, when my husband and I, first of all, for his health reasons many years ago, we pretty much gave up eating out and ate at home. Oh my gosh. That was one of the best things we've ever, ever done. Because A, we meal prep. And very often we will fix most of the meals for the entire week on one day. So it saves us a lot of time throughout the week. The food is a lot healthier. And of course, it's a ton cheaper. Um, but I personally do no longer like to every single day. I like to do it occasionally, but I don't like to sit in an, a restaurant for an hour after a long day at work. I'd rather be on my bicycle or, you know, doing something more fun than sitting in a restaurant. But that's just that's just me. So when it comes to restaurants, we don't order drinks. You know, if I'm entertaining clients, of course, I'll order drinks for clients. But when it's just my husband and myself, we don't order drinks. We don't order desserts. And uh, depending on where we're eating, if the meals are really big, uh, we would try to cut some of it and take it home helps calories and also helps uh, the, the budget. But my big thing there is meal prep. Now, some of our younger doctors don't have to do as much meal prep as I do because they get free meals at the hospital. Excellent. And there are ways to do it. I mean, you see uh, convenient shakes and bars and things like that. You know, one might question, is that really the healthiest? But you know, if that's one meal a day or a couple meals a week, um, chances are probably your body could tolerate that. Right. And I, I'm all into healthy food. So let's say you, you are into eating salads. You know, a lot of times you can go to the grocery store and get a lot of organic vegetables that are pre-cut up. So your salad prep is, you know, take your greens and throw in some cut carrots and this, some mushrooms and, you know, this, that and the other stuff. Pull up. If you're into tuna like I am or shrimp or whatever, put some on top or maybe it's che cheese for your protein or a hard-boiled egg and hey, a bing-a-bing-a-done. You've got it done. It's, it can be really, really fast. 
You asked for one more tip. Uh, one, I rarely buy uh, clothes at full price. I rarely buy clothes at all. Now, most of our doctors, of course, are wearing scrubs, so clothes aren't a big deal to them. But I usually buy most of my new clothes at consignment stores or resale shops. And gosh, save 75, 80% by doing that. Excellent. Yeah, I, that certainly probably could help a lot of our physicians. I suppose if you're the top end plastic surgeon, then... <laughs> that would not be a viable solution for you. But for most of us regular folks, that probably would be of help. Well, it'd be amazed. I have, um, there's a particular designer line, I, and our clients aren't in the clothes, as I mentioned, but I love this line. It's called um, St. John's Knits. And it's not unusual for a new jacket at St. John's it's to be $2,000. Now, I'll be frank. I've never seen a doctor wear a $2,000 jacket. But you know, I can sometimes buy those at resale shops for like $50 or something. I think, oh, wow, that's fantastic. That sounds like an amazing savings. You go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My tip number two, after we've made this commitment, is to track your spending. I I saw a study recently that said if you, for people who track their spending, they actually spend 17% less. So think about that. If your take-home pay is $100,000 a year after taxes, let's say, and you're spending seventeen, that's $17,000 extra. That goes a long way to long-term savings or maybe spend part of it on a trip or whatever you want to do. So track your spend. And I've seen this a lot with myself. I hate to keep talking about my diets, but here we go. Um, I've currently been tracking my food consumption, and it's shocking how much less I'll eat if I'm writing it down every day. It's pretty pretty amazing. Same thing goes with spending. We provide this, uh, a, an app to track for our clients, but if you're not a client, you can go on to mint.com or there's some other online budgeting tools that you can use to track your spending. Yeah. I'll bet that's gotta be quite eye opening. I think in the haste and the flurry of modern American life, you're probably spending and not even really thinking about it. And speaking from personal experience, I know the kids are awfully quick to hit you up for, you know, a treat on the way home, whether it's an ice cream cone or what have you. And those are dollars that probably add up very quickly. I mean, you don't think much about in the moment because you're tired or you just don't want to hear the kids complain or something of that fashion. And so you say yes. And uh, yeah, it, it hits the budget at the end of the month. So I guess awareness is everything, right? Yes, because that's a great example because, you know, maybe in a week between going to the coffee shop or the ice cream or whatever, it's $50. But at the end of the month, that's $200. That's a pretty sizable amount. For sure. For sure. All right. So looking at your spending, um, tracking your spending and, and making sure that you place savings as a priority and pay yourself first sounds like are the first steps toward achieving abundance and margins. Am I getting that right, Ms. Catherine? Yeah, good good place to start. Let me let me keep going if I may. Please. And that is I would suggest periodically, maybe once or twice a year, just look at your spending and ask yourself, does this get me closer to my goal of a life of abundance with margin, financial putting my kids to college, whatever it is, or does this take me farther away? So I had this time period where I had two or three clients all in like a week, I swear, come to me and they all wanted to buy a second home. They all had homes that were currently like 1.2 million and they each wanted another home at 1.2 million. 
Now, I never go to clients and go, are you crazy? You know, I never, ever, never, ever say that. But I do have to pose to them. Yes, you can afford this second house. However, let's look what it does to your projections. It means you're going to have to work four years longer, five years, whatever it is, to be able to, to get to your point of financial independence. It, what's more important to you? If the house is more important to you, then go get the house. But realize it's going to have an impact. You're going to pay for it some other way. In that case, working longer. So I think with everything we're looking at, whether it's new clothes or a new car or who knows, kids, um, uh, private schooling, whatever that is, is this getting me closer to my goal or is it getting farther away? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how those costs can sneak up or potentially you make an impulse buy or an emotional buy. And uh, before you know it, <laughs> you're, you're farther away from your goal than you really want to be. Totally. Or here's one way to think about it. And I, this is something that uh, Warren Buffett did something very, very similar. He would have people write down the top 25 things that they wanted to cover in their life to achieve in their life, which I think is a great exercise for all of us really. And then to look at that list and go back and say, what are the five things I really need to do really need to accomplish in my life and focus on those. Cause for most of us, we cannot do all 25 things, but we can do the top five five. And I think when it comes to your money, this is a really important conversation to have. What are the top five things I want to to accomplish? For most of our clients, the top two are putting their kids through college or getting their kids properly educated and having enough financial independence that someday they can make work optional. That's not true of everybody, but I would say that's true of most clients. Mm, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would say take a look at those things. And then if you think, oh, I need to buy another horse or join two country clubs or whatever it is, I don't care. You can look at it and say, how does this fit in with my top five goals? Can I do my top five goals and still buy the horse? Still uh, go on the trip to Australia. If you can, great. And if not, then at least you'll be focusing on those things that really, really matter to you. And you said maybe do that annually. Is that the type of exercise you would do yeah. frequently like that? Well, I would maybe a couple times a year. I think it's helpful to look at your spending and go, does this still line up with my goals to have this life of abundance, life of margin? Excellent. Well, love all of those thoughts. Um, and to your point, living a life with focus and purpose certainly does help us get to our goals. So knowing what that is, and then being able to tweak our behaviors. Um, and I would argue very slightly, right? It don't, don't make it any more painful than it has to be. But if you can make some small adjustments here and there, like you said, maybe cut down on your amount of going out, you know, maybe it's cutting down once a week or even just twice a month that, that then moves to once a week. Um, make small baby steps. I know you mentioned that in a podcast previously. Start saving, even if it's just $100 a month. And then after a few months of doing that, challenge yourself to move it up a little bit. And and that's how you get to some some fairly generous changes that do get you to your goal. Absolutely. I love those baby steps. We'll do another podcast on those. But I do want to talk about a couple of things that are not so much somewhat financially related with doctors and burnout. I find that uh, to your question earlier about what's causing doctors to be burnt out. 
And I see two or three different areas. One is, um, I alluded to this before, some of our doctors just don't like the patients. You know, we talked about before about the frequent flyers. An interesting solution to this is that we had a client that was so disgusted and turned off by the situation. She started her own practice in regenerative medicine now, and she pretty much just takes cash. Well, I don't really, I mean, they pay her in credit cards, but she doesn't have to file for insurance claims. So you can imagine her life is a lot less stressful. She likes her patient population. She likes doing what she's doing and she's a ton happier. Yeah. Interestingly enough, we were just talking about um, a naturopathic doctor in our community that works 11 to four every day, no less, no more, takes straight cash and uh, practices what she preaches. She's at the gym every morning. She's taking yoga on the beach. She's meal prepping healthy meals. She's in bed every night getting her nine hours of rest. And I can imagine if you're only working four or five hours a day, you can probably accomplish that. So options are out there to create a practice that fits your needs and helps you reach those life of abundance in the margins. I love that. The yoga on the beach is perfect. For this. Who doesn't want that? Come on now. <laughs> exactly. I also see the doctors that really like the job and they love the patients, but they don't like the employer for various reasons. And in this situation, we've got two choices. You, you can cut back, which may mean living on less, or you can find another employer with a less stressful situation. So I've had a lot of doctors change uh, employers and relieve this stress Tremendously, they're very happy with a new employer. So I think if you're in that situation, you're listening today, don't be afraid to look for another employer. Perfect. As you mentioned, there is a physician shortage and very hard to find an unemployed doctor. Exactly. I, I The only unemployed doctor I've ever had is one who didn't want to work. So <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, the last thing is I've had a couple of primary care docs that were getting really burnt out taking all these notes on the software. Uh, because they felt that really kept them from that personal relationship with the patient. And both of those cases, they paid for a scribe out of their own money to take notes during uh, the, the meetings with the patients. And they are like so much happier, so much more at peace. They don't have all the, the notes that they've got to do at the end of the day. And it's just turned their life around. And they've got much more of an abundance of time and energy, which is very important and part of that life of abundance. Excellent. And it can be a beneficial relationship for the scribe, you know, some experience and exposure that can help shape their life and career goals. Exactly. So I would my final thoughts would be you don't have to live with burnout. I would encourage you to make some choices right away because you're going to die sooner. You're just going to be unhappy. You're going to be depressed. It's not a good situation. So it's worthwhile to make those changes so that you can have some margin in your life. Wonderful. Well, Catherine, thank you for your tips on living a life of abundance. Listeners, thank you so much for giving us your time today. I hope that that was helpful and hopefully encourages some reflection in your own life path and decisions that you're making. At the end of the day, I believe for what we do and how we serve our society that we all deserve to be happy and it's on us to make that happen. So on behalf of Money Minutes for Doctors, Christina McAteer, your host, thanking you for tuning in. Looking forward to catching up with you next month and a special thanks to Miss Catherine for her time today. Be well.